Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 89 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm a co-host, Steve. And, and this I'm guy is also a co-host, co-host too, named Jarman. And he's Jarman. <laughs> Woo! And we're here to nerd out with you, just like we always come here to nerd out with you, our favorite people, our listeners. Exactly. And this is part of our ongoing series later in the show where we're going to discuss all the Muppet movies and all of the all Star, Star Trek, Trek movies. Films. We're really deep Muppets, now. We are so yeah. deep in. We're pretty far in because the Muppets <laughs> are Steve's favorite thing and Star Trek's my favorite thing. So we thought we'd just take a d- deep exploration of the film franchise of these two things. And, and we're like, what, 10 films in between both Something of them like at this that. point? Like 10 or 11? <laughs> like, we are deep in this at this point. I we are so many Muppet movies. Ugh. So many Star Trek films. <laughs> <laughs> There's even more to come. But this one was pretty good. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Generations, The Handing of the Torch. From the old to the new. That's right. But more on that later. In the meantime, German, what have you been up to? It's been a while. Well, I think this is the first time between episodes, since we didn't go like a full month this time, uh, where I just didn't do that much besides work. That's <laughs> so true. I It worked like crazy, uh, and it's been an ongoing problem of I'll come into the office one day, I record audiobooks for a living now, so... Mm-hmm. I'll start recording one day. I'll be perfect. And I'll make mistakes. It'll go really fast. I'll record a lot of chapters. And the next day I'll come in and be like mumbling over every single word, having to re-record 15 times. So that's the ongoing problem. It's not all glamorous people. It's pretty tough sometimes. <laughs> and so I'll have to stop and do like warm ups from high school and like, you know, tongue twisters and that kind of thing and get me. Yeah, back but that's just mood. like, but that's like your professional. Yeah. Like thing though. Like that's, I mean, that makes sense to me. And it's just frustrating when you can't get your mouth to work some days because, you know, it's not like being a person who types in stuff to computer all day. You're, I mean, your fingers get broken, but other than that, it's like you're screwed. So, but there, I did have one great day uh, this past Sunday. It was the best nerd day ever because I got to play D&D for four hours Ooh, and beautiful. then watch Star Trek uh, Discovery that night uh, with a bunch of star- fellow Trekkies. So it was just a great day all around for nerds everywhere. And then afterwards, uh, we were all tipsy talking about religion. So that's also something I enjoy doing. So it was yeah. fun. And I, I read your <laughs> review of what was that the last episode of this season or just yeah, a episode? Oh, it's uh, just a episode. Yeah. And some big reveal. And it sounded interesting. So you're reading the reviews before you even seen the show. <laughs> well, I read your review. Well, I appreciate it's not like it. I'm actively reading reviews, but this thing that I'm a part of called a play on nerds, a thing popped up. It was like, there's a review. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should read that. Well, I appreciate it. And we so also have another reviewer, Kaylin Cassandra. She does The Path, X-Files, and um, Supernatural for us. So keep an eye out for those reviews. We love you, Kaylin. I don't know if she listens. I'm not sure if she listens to the podcast so much these days, but uh, she's really into those shows and she writes great reviews. Well, here's what you do. You like hashtag her or whatever and say like, shout out to Kaylin on the episode. And then she'll yeah. listen. Yeah. So we do have more than just the podcast, people. If you're just a podcast listener, check out the website and our social media because Steve posts some fun stuff on social media, too. So it's good I times. need to get better about that. 
I've got a kid yeah. now, so I've just given it up. It's tough. You it's know the tough. worst part? I have an alarm that goes off two times every day on my phone at 6.55 and 7 that says post for sight. Oh, really? <laughs> every day. At least you're trying to make an effort. It's been going off like that for, what, seven months? Because it woke up Joyce by accident. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so every day I have that alarm go off and every day I go, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so some days we'll have posts. <laughs> We're going to get better about that soon. Actually, we have a surprise coming up on a play on nerds Ooh. pretty soon with a new uh, puppet contributor, which yeah. I'll have to talk to Steve more about offline because okay. it's what a big now? secret. We have a friend who is a puppeteer and okay. is making his own puppet, and he wants to premiere with a play on nerds. But we'll have more details on but that. But we don't do visual. Soon. We're not like a visual media. Hey, we've had uh, we had some YouTube stuff in the past. We had game That's streaming, true. and the, we also had uh, video reviews with puppets for um, Game of Thrones that was on our channel for a while. Um, so we're going to get back to that a little bit with some video content, but that may be coming in the near future somewhere. All right. I hope it's good as our last puppet contribution, <laughs> the like far and few between the Game of Thrones puppet finger. <laughs> there were finger the puppets like reviewing Game finger of Thrones. <laughs> it was a great fit for early a play on nerds. I think. Yeah, early a play on nerds was a weird place. I've been listening to some of the old episodes. <laughs> it was this great British guy who was actually really funny. It's just that. He, when he first showed me his videos, it was a bunch of puppets dressed up in the outfits. Like the finger puppets look just like the characters in a funny way. And he had a bunch of them interacting and it was really interesting and fun. And then once he started doing it for our site or for our YouTube channel, he had one puppet telling the whole story and then his clip and then his little still photographs in the episode, which I was like, okay, that's fine. But it's not what you sold me on. Yeah. 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 I, I remember watching it. And I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. I wasn't <laughs> expecting too much. But you can find that on our YouTube channel somewhere. And he's he's a funny guy, but it's just we we need a little bit more of the puppets. That's all. Maybe we just didn't. We may just didn't get his best work. Right. He wasn't. He, he, can do he, he wasn't feeling it. Exactly. So what have you but been up to? This is our new puppet adventure. <laughs> that's right. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, last time uh, Anna was about to have her surgery and had her surgery. It was successful and good. And oh, she's good. Recovering well. And she can breathe through her nose again for the first time in like two years or something like that. Jesus, that's even better. Oh, yeah, it's spectacular. Uh, Joyce is great and growing and yelling and saying so many words. And Your little baby. She's just in, she's insane. She never stops. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> and then I actually also got to play D&D. Very nice. For four hours. Or actually, it was short because not a lot of people showed up, so we could only really do one part without getting into some stuff. With your character you don't like that much? Who, at this point, at the end of the session, got to level six. Ah, finally. finally. I don't know. I'm finding my I'm finding my stride with him. If you guys like D&D, check out our last episode where we talk about the entire history of Dungeons & Dragons. But yeah, I hit level six, so I'm stoked. Nice. And I get uncanny dodge. As a rogue, oh my gosh, it's a great, great skill to have. Is that where you once, can dodge more than once a turn or something? Oh, uh, yeah. Once per turn, if I can see a target and I'm not, like, disabled... I can reduce um, the damage from that target by half one once per turn. Nice. Once, yeah. It's like it skims your leg instead of actually hitting you or something. Yeah. yeah. So I might, I can use that to, if a giant boss hits me, you know, maybe not die. Yeah. Which is good. I was, I was knocked unconscious two times this last, last <laughs> You're day. probably hoping your character is going to die. So you can it make was, a new one. it was a rough game. <laughs> when you start with 12 HP, you've got limited expectations. 
<laughs> that's not very much. No, no, no. Uh, but otherwise, it's been good. So that's been your your couple weeks. Yeah, it's it's been a good couple of weeks. But for now, then I guess we move on to uh, nerd news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. So what you got for us? So um, I've got two stories, and I tried to make a clever title, and it just didn't work. But I still wrote one. <laughs> You're falling <laughs> on your game here. Uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the submarine. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. So the first is about these Australian birds that uh, they believe, these scientists, and they've been interviewing Aborigines and natives and scientific findings and following these birds, and they find that three birds are actually spreading wildfires in Australia. Oh, Jesus. Um, so what they do, <laughs> asshole birds, they go to places <laughs> where there are already fires. And they take a stick and light it on fire, and they carry it to an area where stuff isn't on fire, <laughs> and they light all that shit on fire, and they circle <laughs> above and wait for all the animals to scurry out of the fire they just started. That's terrible. This is happening in nature. <laughs> What's wrong with them? I don't know. Just these asshole birds. So now they're... Uh, so now they're they're not sure. Like maybe what? Maybe this is what's been causing giant wildfires for years, and we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe even in California, all these crazy wildfires happening. Yeah, just, just crazy birds lighting everything on fire. Hitchcock's <laughs> dream is coming true. <laughs> just in a slightly different way than he expected. Yeah. Uh, and then they're, my second, they're just pissed off at Trump as president in America. That's true. Um, the and then the second story is the U.S. Navy uh, submarines. Um, used to have this control that worked the the periscopes that cost like $38,000 and it was like a crazy joystick style with tons of knobs and and rotation stuff just complicated control and for years the the officers complained the like the younger officers complained that it was just impossible to learn and like learning this thing took weeks and took took like training and shadowing um, jeez it was ridiculous. And so they, they said, what would make it easier? And they said, well, give us a, give us a video game controller. Yeah. So <laughs> they designed this control system around the Xbox 360 controller. Nice. That people are now learning in days instead of weeks. Um, and the other, the old one was $38,000. Uh, you can get an Xbox 360 controller for 20 bucks. <laughs> so if it breaks, they can just replace it. And it's not this huge bill. And it's the actual Xbox 360 controller? It's not something similar? It's the Xbox 360 controller. I can That's see it funny. in the photo. <laughs> um, and it's being uh, installed on like all like this huge part of the fleet of our submarines. That's going to save a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that was really cool. That, like nerd culture is spreading everywhere. Yeah, and I'm guessing a lot of these soldiers, young guys, a lot of them probably are very into video games, and so it's very natural feeling in their hand. So Yeah, and that's what they grew up with. Very quick to learn. That's genius. Yeah. That is a genius. Well, very cool. Well, I have a uh, story to piss you off, like usual. Right, good. I mean, I, I um, expect no less. <laughs> and I had kind of a fun name for it. This one's called The Ghost Marriage That Goes Too Far. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about Amanda Teague, who is a female Jack Sparrow impersonator. <laughs> female okay. Jack Sparrow impersonator from. I'm already pissed off. I'm just already <laughs> mad. <laughs> Even no ghosts involved. It's just terrible. Female Jacks. Come on. I'm already upset. And she's from the most Irish sounding place in the world. Downpatrick. What is it again? Downpatrick. Downpatrick. 
<laughs> Down Patrick, Northern Ireland. And uh, she has married a pirate ghost. So, <laughs> Okay. She says she began to feel a strange energy trying to, t- to make contact with her and determined it was the spirit of a Haitian pirate from the 1700s. Coincidentally, also named Jack, <laughs> who was executed for his crimes back in the 1700s. Uh, so back in 2016, Amanda and her friends and family, including four of her kids from her previous marriage and a local registrar, sailed a boat 12 miles off the coast of Belfast to international waters where they can legally marry people to ghosts, I suppose. Uh, and her groom was represented <laughs> I by... I guess that's what happens <laughs> in the I ocean. Guess. You can do whatever the fuck you want in international waters. Uh, so... <laughs> Put a she married a goat. A medium a spoke for her ghost. Chicken, it doesn't matter. A <laughs> chicken, a chair, and it doesn't matter. Uh, and it's it did happen in 2016, but it's going oh, around man. the news cycles now because she's trying to write a book about her life, her crazy life. Uh, and she's so obsessed with Jack Sparrow that she had her dentist give her gold teeth, uh, and she got tattoos to match Jack's from the movie, and she legally changed her uh, name to Sparrow. Uh, so I hope her book is just titled I'm a disappointing human. <laughs> My parents are sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So there you go. There's the news cycle for you. That's the important things. you <laughs> <Wow. need> to <laughs> know. And what was the name for that story again? The ghost marriage that goes too far. I got to say for the first time ever, I think you beat me on the clever title. Yay. I think you took it this week because mine was terrible. Here should just been dick birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find one that was perfect, but I'd never heard of it and couldn't assume anyone else had. Have you heard the saying a box of birds? If that's the end of the saying. Yeah. Like, oh, that dog's dog is a box of birds. I've never heard that before. It means like mean overly, health, the ass? overly healthy and overly like exuberant. Huh? That one um, didn't really I never heard it before, but the perfect title would have been Xbox of birds. But I had never oh. heard box of birds before, so I just didn't. I couldn't go for it. Maybe it's a British thing. Maybe listeners I had let the us perfect know. title. My, our British listeners, if X box of birds was the perfect title, let me know if I can claim it for victory for this. Because then you would have beat me because it encapsulated both your stories. Right. It was. It'd be too perfect. But I just had never heard it before. That's so weird. So our I British listeners, that. please let us know. This is very important. This is important to know who won this time, the Clever Time Award. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and I said, bounce the graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish. That's the way we do things, lad. We're making shit up as we wish. Klingons and Romulans, they pose no threat to us. Because if we find we're in a bind, we just make some shit up. To move us on and to transition into our Star Trek Generations discussion... We're going to play a little game we played before called Technobabble Improv, where I'm going to give Steve a random Technobabble sentence. And it's going to be like a line of dialogue from the TV show. And he has to pretend he's a crew member or a captain responding to this line. Okay. So this is very important. So you're ready. I'm going to go all over the place. So <laughs> bear with me. All right. Stand by while I unscrew the boson bubble compressor. The bubble compressor ha- can't handle that kind of compression, Captain. We have to use an expression capsule. <laughs> I love those expression capsules. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to calibrate the transitory particle inceptor, or you could wind up with an unwelcome subharmonic oscillation. Of course, I welcome your criticism, but I, of course, pre-modulated the warp engine to com- to compensate for any jiggle factor 
that we incur, Captain. <laughs> jiggle Factor is hot in the clubs right now. <laughs> jiggle Factor. <laughs> jiggle, jiggle, jiggle Factor. Jiggle, 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 jiggle. <laughs> okay. You need to purge the multiphasic sewage system. Sir, the multiphasic sewage system does not need changing due to the ion flux filtration of the myon particles. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. Right. Get better at this. Right. All right. Here we go. Got a couple more. Okay. We need to recharge the ventral nanowave manipulator. The nanowave manipulator can't possibly recharge without a six flux capacitor. <laughs> that, that's I'm sorry. That's back to the future. I failed. I failed. The captain's drunk. <laughs> no, I like how your technique is like Ash from uh, Army of Darkness, where he's supposed to say "Klatu Verata," and he forgets the words like <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try another one. That was off. All right, that was off. You need to overload the nitrogen emitter, or the entire multi-dimensional force array could destabilize. Nitrogen emitter suffers from particle reflux due to a bad overpositronic charge relay. We need to run it through engineering to divert power from the auxiliary engines. Jesus, I think I just heard Jordy LaForge. That's amazing. Wow, that's right. <laughs> that just happened. Why are you getting so good at this? You've seen too many Star Trek movies now. Yeah, that's right. You also forget so that I used to do improv professionally. That is true. Yes, that's and right. my friend. <laughs> yes, and. So with that, that brings us to our discussion of Star Trek Generations. Generations. Now, I forgot to count here. What what number is this in the film this series? This is 7. Seven. Oh, that's right, because we just watched six, six originals on Discovery. And this is the first of the transition film. Right. And something I noticed right off the bat with the uh, the credits was that they credit all the next generation cast first. So, I mean, it really is like their first movie and not it, this. It's like cameos from the old cast. Yes, it's very much cameos. I mean, they're they're besides Picard. They're only in the first 10 minutes of the film. Mind you, it's a great 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And they always just, they always say that that first contact's the first next generation film, but this is really the first next generation film. Oh, yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I oh, yeah. Case. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, we start off with a great opening of the champagne bottle just floating gracefully with beautiful music. I'm like, what's the champagne bottle doing? And it cracks against the Enterprise 1701B. B. The opening of that ship, which is a beautiful, wonderful shot. Uh, and so it's the inaugural send off. And uh, Kirk and some of the old guys are brought back. It's like a publicity stunt, essentially. Yeah. And originally it was going to be Kirk, Bones and Nimoy. Uh, but Nimoy always is. He's always like kind of fussy about which is movies he wants to be in that they really lure him in. And he thought the script didn't have enough lines that would made him Spock. So he's like, it's not even worth me being in there because this could be literally anyone. And, and they so they gave right. um yeah they gave Scotty all of his lines and you really couldn't tell that they were any different like so yeah. um all I could see is him Nimoy or Spock saying better is there something wrong with your chair captain like if he said that line I think that would have been better as Spock Bones was going to do it but then with his deteriorating health no one would insure him yeah and you have to have actors insurance being on film sets so they're like nope we can't insure you cuz you're dying which is sad so it was it was a uh, Koenig yeah uh so he couldn't do the film and so 
you know, Scotty and uh, the other guy Check got off. to do something. <laughs> Check off. <laughs> Check off. And the other guy. The, the other guy, you know, the less important one that showed up late. And Sulu was going to be in it, too. And he was complaining that he didn't want to be taking orders from Captain Kirk again. So they just put his daughter's character in there, which they never talked about before, I don't think. But um, then is brought back around in the most in one of the more recent the Abrams films. Uh, yeah, there, he does have a daughter in that one. That's true. Yeah, Sulu goes and meets his his husband, and you get to see them with their daughter for a brief moment. I forgot there's a little girl around for that too. Yeah, see, keeping it all, it all comes around, pretty much. Yeah. So the one thing I noticed is that you know they're they're taking pictures on the bridge, and there's these guys with these weird camera helmets there to film the event. Oh, yeah, yeah. but. Each, I'm not sure if this is just a dumb choice. I, I wrote, uh, the future really has uneven lighting because each one of those helmets <laughs> has a flashlight on it. And when, when they ask, uh, Kirk to, to like take them out for the first time and everyone points the camera at him, he like all the flashlights are in different parts of his face. Well, I think mostly the, on the his vocal mouth. recorders, most of them are on his mouth. Well, because the vocal recorders had a light coming out of it, and that was beaming up into his mouth, and so it looked really weird. And it was so it was dopey. Just, but like, just I was like, <laughs> "Wow, really? Just big flashlights? Every, okay, fine. apparently those were modified right. Game Boys. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so they were using modified Game Boys to pretend they were recording. And then, great part, I was like, "Man, so this is what Cameron from Ferris Bueller ended up doing. Good for exactly. him. This is not he that bad for what became for captain what he of a was. starship. That's right." Who would have thought Cameron could have done that? Well, I did write poor Captain Harriman because he uh, he just can't do his job yet. He's just too terrified. <laughs> yeah. And ill-equipped. He has mm-hmm. good. That's the worst part. Like he has good ideas, but like nothing works. Yeah, he can't help it. He didn't want to go out there in the first place. Every, nothing's getting installed till Tuesday. But this always this did use the trope that's in so many Star Trek films, which is and shows which is, oh, we're the only only ship in range. We have to be the ones to go. Yeah, so like, where are stress- the rest of the ships in this giant federation? <laughs> yeah, it's always them. Every time. Everyone else is getting coffee. And they're like in the solar system. They were like not even by, by Pluto yet. And so there's no other ships around. Yeah, true. It's lame. It's a lame trick. They, they use it again later, actually, um, I, as I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> so uh, they get a distress call. They're the ones that have to go check it out. They get there and uh, they find what three ships? Is two that right? ships, yeah. Uh, Just a two. few ships uh, in this big ribbon of moving energy. And while they're Whoa. trying all these things, one of the ships blows up, uh, and then they have to beam people out of the other ship. And they only get like a third of them, forty-seven to be exact. Forty-seven, which I know is a big Star Trek number, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I know. I read things occasionally. <laughs> and But then, oh, no, they're trapped in the ribbon thing. So they got to try all this stuff. They don't have any tools because nothing's getting installed until Tuesday. Uh, and then Scotty comes up with some brilliant thing where they can reverse something and do a thing and get, get away. There's a techno babble. A lot of techno babble through there. And for some um, reason, there's not a single crewman, even though there are light staff that can go besides the retired <laughs> Captain Kirk. Okay, I just want to, I want to read you verbatim what I have on my screen right now. <laughs> is there really no one younger and more qualified to go do this thing than Kirk? <laughs> or the captain. The captain's the first person to say, I'll go do it. Like, no, you're the captain. You can't go do that. Yeah, you like, have engineers and stuff for this. You have at least them on this gigantic ship. 
<laughs> yeah. And I was just like, really? Why is that like, oh, yeah, that's right. He should go. And there's no that's one closer right. to deck 15 at that moment that they could send down who doesn't go down a huge turbo lift. Like what? So that yeah. is a little frustrating. Um, so Kirk is the one that's got to go down and do this thing. And then while he does it and he is successful, that part of the ship takes damage, blows up, and he's gone and presumed dead. Right. And then we kind of fade into the future and suddenly we're on the high bounty, the sea. Where we're having a ghost pirate marriage. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. weird. And so they're, they're in the holodeck doing Worf's um, promotion ceremony as British people on a boat. I don't know. I, mean, I didn't understand it. It was a weird <laughs> intro for them. Well, watching all of the next generation, uh, people will be very familiar with their overuse of the holodeck, which I never mind the holodeck episodes, but they are constantly just dicking around the holodeck. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so Worf gets his hat, falls into the water. Everyone laughs. Data trying to figure out comedy pushes Dr. Crusher into the water. Not funny data. Tells Jordy. One thing I noticed in this scene is that um so when Jordy was looking through the, the periscope with his eye visor, is he was he looking through the middle? Like a cyclops? <laughs> Good question. I tried to look and I couldn't tell, but like I'm almost certain that Jordy is literally holding the periscope in the middle of his visor. <laughs> Maybe he's just role playing. He's just pretending to look through it, you know, for fun. <laughs> I know, but it was just really funny for him not to put it over one eye or the other, but it's like literally right in the middle. I didn't even notice that. I might be wrong. Take a look. Listeners, take a look. Let me know. No one's ever going to correct me. Great thing, speaking of the eye visor, that this is the last film that he has the eye visor. He gets like the surgery after this. He's got uh, like, like robotic contact lenses. Yeah. And I always wondered why he didn't do that sooner. And but this kind of movie makes a reason for why he'd be like, I'm finally getting rid of this thing because it yeah. could be used against us. And so I see why he would get rid of it. So that's yeah. kind of neat. I like that. So and then I wrote another friggin distress call. Always the so, distress calls. Mind you, in a little bit here, Captain Kirk gets like some really bad news. Mm-hmm. Some, someone died and, and we it, don't like, know peppers the whole film and really, really diverts the plot a few times. Well, no, I think they had to use it to establish the later scenes when he's in the Nexus and showing why family's so important to him, especially right now. It makes those scenes more powerful and harder for him to be pulled away, but yet he still perseveres. You know, I think we, we wouldn't feel that as much if we didn't have these early scenes of him establishing his want for family, you know? I don't know, but I think they could have done the exact same thing that they did with him that they did with Kirk, and we would have got it. What do you mean? You know, Kirk is like, you know, when he finds Kirk later, he's like reliving his best day. Right. It's not like something he always wanted is something he already had kind of thing. Right. I just think that it could have just been that. And that would be hard to walk away from, too. Maybe it's just showing Picard doesn't have a best day. I guess. I don't know. It's just yeah. <laughs> all of Picard's days are bad. <laughs> I mean, he was the stabbed ne- in the heart when he was in the academy. I mean, he's the got Nexus a pretty rough doesn't life. doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> uh, make up something. I don't know. <laughs> but also he has episodes in the, in the original, in the next generation where he's talked about how he wanted a family and he actually gets to go to a pocket like uh, virtual reality dimension where he lives a whole life and starts a family and everything. And wow. then he realizes that once he dies, he goes back to the enterprise and he's lived this whole life. And he's like, this family's gone that I had and it wasn't real to begin with. And it was incredible. But uh, so, yeah, there's, there's hints back to the show that he also has always wanted a family and that kind of thing. Aww. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they get another friggin' distress call. Some mm-hmm. station under attack. They get out there. Um, Picard like sends down the way team and gets all mad with number two or number one or whatever the hell. 
Number one. Number one. Do it. Storms off the bridge. Did I stutter? Um, while they're down there, they you know they find this old guy from earlier in the film, one of the people that was rescued from the, one of the ships that blew up. Soren, Doctor Soren, from Clockwork Orange. Uh, and then they find a Romulan. They're like, "Oh, the Romulans attacked, Captain." Um, that was Worf, <laughs> by the way. Oh, of course. <laughs> I tried. I'm not great at this. <laughs> so it's just assume the Romulans attacked, and Soren's now on the Enterprise. Uh, and then we and then we start this subplot. With Jada? That that I go between loving and hating through the film. Well, what's interesting, I learned that reading that the director of this film had only directed TV before. And he mainly, he did a lot of episodes of Next Generation. And they he was surprised they gave him the job. Um, and this really feels like an episode because there's always an A plot and a B plot in Star Trek episodes. And, and in mm-hmm. a lot of TV shows. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. There is this B plot of Data with his emotion chip that isn't really central to the plot and really wouldn't have affected the movie if it wasn't there, you know, maybe like one or two scenes would be different. Like where he can't save, um, Jordy, uh, because he's too overwhelmed with fear, but at the same time, it was not necessary for the movie at all. I don't know. I feel like the way it was structured, that like Picard got to have a whole movie and the rest of the cast got to have a nice episode. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> like, does that make sense? Cause he's in both the A and B plot and they're not. But one thing I love, there's so many fun moments, though, from the data emotion chip, like uh, especially when he goes to the tent forward and has a drink for the first time that he can taste. <laughs> Gentlemen, something new from Focus 3? What? I believe this beverage has produced an emotional response. Really? What are you feeling? I am uncertain. Because I have had little experience with emotion, I am unable to articulate the sensation. Oof. Well, it looks like he hates it. Yes. That is it. I hate this. Data, I think the chip is working. Oh, yes. I hate this. It is revolting. More? Please. That was great. No, but once again, that's why I said I can't tell if I loved it or hate it, because there are moments like that that I did genuinely love. And then some of the, when he discovers comedy and humor... It gets it just, pretty I'm annoying. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, just kill me. Can this part be done? Well, at least they're kind of showing uh, Forge feeling the same way we're feeling as an audience. Like, will you shut the fuck up? Stop laughing. This is important. So then Dr. Soren requests a audience with Kirk and tells him, hey, I've got, you know, all this research I've been working on for years. In 12 hours, it's going to expire. You got to let me get back down there. Kirk says, absolutely not. Um, and then Dr. Soren grabs him by the arm. And says, they say time is the fire in which we burn. And like, it looks like Kirk almost, uh, not Kirk, uh, Picard almost falls over. Did you see this? It was. And I, he goes, uh, and like his mouth opens and he kind of drifts. I'm like, what happened? It's almost like they cut something out of showing that that phrase had some relevance to him or meaning that we didn't see in the movie. And yeah, uh, yeah. but also I, the Elorians. I don't know. It just the, felt weird. Cause Guinan's the same race as, as the Soren guy. Right. And they've been shown to have some unusual, unknown kind of powers on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if maybe that was an intention of showing like maybe he did influence him somehow with a super kind of power, mental power. So I don't know. That was weird, though. I never noticed that before watching this movie. That was very strange. Yeah. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just weird and off putting. And I was like, what happened? I agree. Um, so then they cut to Jordy and Data down at the uh, down at Dr. Soren Station, sort of investigating around. And they find this hidden wall and they open it up and there's like these, they look kind of like bombs. I mean, like these pod things. Right. 
that they find. Uh, and then Data has a freak out where he's laughing so hard that his face overstretches. And they like distort his face all weird. And then he collapses because his thing overloaded. I hate when that happens. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Dr. Soren is there. And I thought it was funny that like they had no advance notice that Dr. Soren was suddenly there. Yeah, because all their their comms and stuff went down, so I guess they didn't have any way of detecting. Or I guess, but wouldn't they let him know? That, I I don't know. It was strange. So suddenly, Doctor Sorden was there, and Hello. I immediately thought to myself, <laughs> his entire plan would have been completely kaput if Picard had just said no. Right. If he had not gotten back down to the station, entire plan would have been kaput. Well, what's funny because they don't really let us know what happened because Picard says, "I'll look into it." But he didn't act. We don't see him saying yes. We don't see him transporting him to the station. Right. We don't know how he got back there. So that's kind of left it open. Maybe they cut that scene, too. So that's kind of questionable. And then so here's the other part. So then Soren goes down there and he like ambushes Jordy. And Data is like so off guard and so afraid from his emotions trip that he can't he can't respond and can't act. He's terrified. Uh, but my que- and then my other thing is, how could Soren, if Data had not had his emotion trip in, Mm-hmm. As soon as he hit Jordy, Data would have been on him because he's literally a robot who can respond to things faster than humans can. And he's super strong. And he's super strong. Would would have been on him. And then he also would have been done. Right. Plot over. Like, how could he, unless he's like some sort of weird super genius and has some sort of power, as you said, like, there's no way he could have known that this is how any of this would have gone. And we have to infer that at least Soren and his race are somewhat more strong than humans because he can take on Picard and Kirk by himself yeah, uh, twice. You know, it's like, so, I mean, I don't know, but they need to show, they need to establish that first because you're right. Cause he would have walked into that situation against two, even regular men would have been dangerous as an right. older man himself. So yeah, I can see that. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like, so in two, in two different instances, there are situations that were, I don't know, out of his control that somehow lended themselves to him actually pulling this off. Well, to be fair, his original plan was never for that station to be blown up or to be sending out a stress call because the he's trying to do the experiments there to use this weapon and the Romulans find out and want his trilithium and they came there and blew up the station trying to get it. So that wasn't part of his plan. So this whole thing of the Enterprise coming, this is something he has to do on the fly. Because so in that case, just, maybe I missed it in the plot or I don't understand. What was his original deal with the Klingons then? The original deal with the Klingons was to just basically like help transport him to these places, um, probably with protection, um, and give them the weapon in exchange for getting him there on time to that planet at the exact moment he wanted to be there. And in exchange, he gives them the weapon and he goes to the Nexus and he doesn't care what happens with those Klingons. Um, right. But the Romulans screw everything up by blowing up, by Wait, trying Romulans to attack the station. G- uh, go, I think he says, come, came looking for their trilithium. Exactly. So maybe the, the Klingons were also helping to steal the trilithium from the Romulans. So there's that kind of aspect, yeah. but they don't go into it a lot of detail. You're right. It's kind of flashed over real quickly. Okay. Wait, so where were we? Dear Lord. He knocks out Jordy. Uh, knocks out Jordy, takes Jordy. All of a sudden, Klingon Bird of Prey shows up, transports out Soren and Jordy, um, and suddenly cloaks, disappears. Everyone gets beamed out, and then was are things launched, or does it just blow up from the station? I'm can I can't remember what happened. He there. he sent. They said he sent out a probe from the station, and then so that's what blows up the star with the trilithium. Yeah, so like star blows up suddenly, the whole system they got to get going. They get out of there just in time. Oh yeah, and then there's a scene where Data is sitting in Cerebro for some reason, <laughs> looking for some way to find Jordy. Oh, and I really like this scene. It's it's just the um, it's a 
I think they have in every one of the starships. Like they have it in Voyager. It's the map charting room, basically. Uh, uh-huh. And with like a big database. And uh, But I really loved how they just took a slow scene and just slowly figured out what his plan would be by using their minds and science. And that I is loved. what Star Trek has always been about. Exactly. That's like the Star Trek gasm. They didn't do it through like beating people up initially. It's just like they had to figure everything out through science. And that 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 is desperately what the new Star Trek series needs. It's missing that entirely. I agree. Yes. And the new show, I think, has both of that really well. It has a lot of science, techno babble and oh, actual yeah, science. And then also I great action. To watch my career, but I love it. It has apparently one of the highest budgets ever in a television show at $8 million an episode. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's like Game of Thrones level. Yeah, and it's beautiful. So, I mean, I understand why. But yeah, I thought that was a great scene. And just him getting data under control, just yelling at him finally. He's like, get under control. You're an officer. Part of having feelings is learning to integrate them into your life, Data. Learning to live with them. No matter what the circumstances, you will not be deactivated. You're an officer on board this ship, and I require you to perform your duty. That is an order, Commander. Yes, sir. I'll try, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they finally, uh, so then they cut to, like, what's happening with Jordy, and he's on the Klingon ship. He's having his roots moment when he's basically tied up like Kuta Kinte again. That's right. Kuta Kinte. (laughs) Um, And so they show that... uh, that Soren messes with his visor, like shines a light laser thing in it, and then does something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, there was also a scene where he they install some sort of nano probe in his heart and then like stop his heart and torture him. Yeah, they skipped over that. And it was two it. graphics. They cut it, but then later on, uh, when he's in Med Bay, Doctor Crusher talks about, "Well, I was able to remove the nano probe." And like we well, didn't mention that before. And they just don't <laughs> talk about it ever again. Bad editing. <laughs> Someone <laughs> missed it. <laughs> but uh we oh we can't uh, not mention Lursa and Bator, the two Klingon lovelies. Oh yeah, they were actually one of the better kind of side parts of the film. You like them? Yeah, I thought they did well. Yeah, they're in a few of the um next generation, I think a couple of Deep Space 9 episodes before this time. Um but yeah, they're they're ongoing characters who get their deaths in this film. Gosh, so what happens after that? So they get Jordy back. Right, because they know what planet that Soren's going to because of the, the deductions they did in that science room. And then they go to the planet and they psych out the Klingons. They let them know they're, they know they're there, even though they're cloaked. Yeah. And so they have to reveal themselves and negotiate. He's, I'll give you, give you myself for Jordy as long as let me go down to the planet and talk to Soren first. So they transport them back and send Picard down to the surface. And Jordy's visor has a little hidden camera on it now that he doesn't know about. Yeah, and then this is where Picard gets to have a movie and the rest of the cast gets to have a nice episode. <laughs> exactly. like, this is that part. He goes down to a special outdoor set. Uh, yeah, and which is rare in Star Trek, one of those beautiful things. That's true. Uh, and so Soren has like a force field set up and he's got a missile set up because he's going to blow this thing up and then it's going to, the gravity is going to change it and send the Nexus right at him. He's going to get to go back to the Nexus, which by the way, we found out at some point is like this weird time continuum thing where you can go anywhere and be anywhere in time. And I don't know. Experience your greatest joy. Yeah. Like over Eternally. and over again. And you turn. Yeah. I Guinan knew about it, so that's okay. I love um, Guinan. Yeah, she's great. So Picard tries to stop him, finds a little hole in his force field, jumps through it, and then Soren just nails him. I have to say, it's like the most pathetic-looking 
making Picard look really old when they, they show him from far up above and he's stuck in the hole. And he's like, ah, ah, I'm yeah, stuck. He looks up and he's like, ah. <laughs> it's like, how'd you get stuck in a hole, Picard? Come on. Uh, gets shot. Um, Soren successfully blows the thing and then the Nexus hits him. Right. Oh, and before and that, though, the uh, the Enterprise. Oh, uh, yeah, back on the Enterprise where everyone's having an episode. Right, right. They're trying. They get some damage from the Klingons because the Klingons with the visor uh, sense get to view their um the oscillation of their shields, so they can shoot right through the Enterprise's shield. So they actually have a shot. So they start blowing it up, uh, and they finally find a way to you know counteract that and blow them up. And uh, yeah, they find the Klingon to play. They fire on them. Klingon bird prey can't stand up to the Enterprise. It's got nothing on it. Right, not with like they a proper fight. Up. Uh, but before before that happens, uh, Riker has data scan for life forms on the planet. For some reason, I don't remember why. <laughs> that's right. And that's where we have our all famous little life forms. Life forms. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Where are you? Little life. My favorite thing ever. Where are you? You. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that, that was funny and strange. So they they separate the saucers so that because the ship's about to blow up and the saucer goes crashing to the planet. Yeah, so you get to see the crew. I love how in this like super futuristic high tech that there's no like there's no like safety measures for anyone. Did you notice that you didn't see anyone buckle into a harness or harnesses didn't drop from the ceiling or people didn't, they like put children in the beds. I know. Like that, well, they constantly that's are the saying. the plan on a starship? They're supposed to have these things called inertial dampers, dampeners, however you want to say it, where the ship jostles or oscillates. They have these inertial dampeners that fixes the inertia so you don't even feel it. So that's why you can go in warp speed or whatever and you'll never feel the difference in speed. Um there's a very quick announcement from the computer voice saying uh, the initial inertial dampeners or whatever are offline. Now we're initializing the second ones, and that's when they all go jostling around. Um, but they've said this for years in Star Trek. Like, why don't they have seatbelts? They're always blowing up and flying off their consoles and stuff. So it's like, get some damn seatbelts. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, you've got women and children and teachers and non, like, real military staff just yeah. there. You got cooks and stuff. What are they... Like, where do they go? Where do the space chefs go? Where's like the yeah bomb shelter type of deal? <laughs> Get the children in bed. <laughs> like, what? Cover their heads. It'll hide them um, from monsters. So even though the saucer part of the ship does crash, everyone seems fine. A little worse for wear, beat up, but everyone's alive. Uh, but then Soren blowing that thing up causes a huge explosion and the planet gets wiped out. So right, everyone's the- dead. Kirk's, I mean, Picard, you think is good dead. I don't know. Uh, and the crew is definitely dead. You see him and, blow up in the little miniatures. And then Picard wakes up in the Nexus. He wakes up in uh, the Christmas like Carol. old, old Victorian <laughs> England. Yeah. He wakes up in the little, Christmas Carol. It was a little bit strange. And the kid from his family who just died is there. Renee. Renee. Um, <laughs> I love you, too. He and then somewhere in there, he kind of realizes it's not real. He keeps seeing these little flashy things and the Christmas bulbs. Um, and then Guinan shows up. Is that right? 
Right. It's like a, an echo of an Guinan echo from when she was, she was also in the, the Nexus. Nexus. Right. But she's no longer actually in the Nexus, but her memory or her echo is always. I didn't understand it, but okay. Something like that. Thanks. So that means away. Picard is always going to be in the Nexus. In a, in a form. And Kirk is always going to be in the Nexus. Something like that. That's crazy. It's weird to think about. Yeah, it is weird. Um, see, a guy shows up and basically says, look, no, this is real. You can be your happiest every day for the rest of your life, but you, you always know it's not real. I'd stay in there. Uh, and so Kirk, <laughs> wanting, wanting to save his crew, uh, has to find somebody who's also in the Nexus and not just an Echo. And that's where he goes and finds Kirk. Good old smarmy Kirk. And because the Nexus has no like beginning, end, or time, really, as far as Kirk's concerned, he also just got there. Which is pretty cool. I like that concept. Yeah. So uh, Picard kind of, I don't know, like pushes in on Kirk's best day. Like it, I almost feel kind of bad. It feels weird like he's invading his day. He really does cock block him. But at the same time, Kirk keeps like inviting him along for the ride. He's like, That's he right. doesn't care who he is. So Kirk's like making eggs and and slowly Picard's trying to like reveal to him that this is not real and get him to understand this. Mm-hmm. And finally, after a weird horse chase. <laughs> as, as Kirk lives out movie. his best day we're like uh, his wife was upstairs and he was downstairs making her eggs then he had to go chase her on a horse I didn't understand it uh, but after this Kirk finally agrees to go with Picard and try to stop Soren uh, Soren um, and this is what I didn't understand mm-hmm. so people that are in the Nexus can at any moment willfully choose to leave the Nexus if they like will, will themselves to do so enough to where they they don't care about this perfect world, and they also realize that it's not real. And I think because Picard had talked to Gain about it beforehand and knew it wasn't going to be real, and then was seeing these glitches in it, and that's why he was able to really escape. And then Kirk has Picard talking him out of it, so that kind of helped. Yeah, true. Yeah, so they decide to go back, and since they, they can apparently choose any point in time in space, they decide to go back to, to the moment when Soren is about to blow the planet. They can go anywhere. Let's just, just fill this in. They could go anywhere in time. That's and space. what she said. And he doesn't and he doesn't go back to when Soren first gets on the ship and have him arrested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't go back to like a regular time when stuff when like literally people aren't almost dead and things aren't almost blowing up. And then Kirk wouldn't be dead now and all that stuff. Right. And then Kirk wouldn't be dead. He'd be back on the Enterprise. It'd be insane. That'd be great. But no. But no, he had to choose like, oh, no, I've got to go back to the time when we only had two minutes left to stop it. They always seem to do that in time travel things. Friggin' a idiots. Doctor idiots. Who does it all the time. Time travel. Think. <laughs> uh, so they go, go back, back to where the, the Elorians were being killed by all the Borg and make that stop. You know, do it, right? You can do whatever you want. Uh, so they go back to the Soren. It's right, and then you stop Soren's family from getting murdered. None of this happens. It all exactly. makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go back. They stop him. Kirk and him have a fist fight or something. A bridge blows up. They rest. They have to get a remote control because Soren turned the thing invisible. The whole thing's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it ends with, with Kirk kind of like saving the day, but then falling, like spiraling down. Whatever dummy they strapped to that bridge <laughs> thing looks so unrealistic. That's the only sad part in the, about him dying this way is that effect looked terrible. It was so obviously a dummy that was like floppy and not the right size. And like, really? You couldn't do any better with that? It's Kirk's death. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but sad. he does get like a proper, like he's crushed under a thing and gets his last moment. Right. 
Uh, so they stop Soren. The Nexus doesn't go. Therefore, the planet doesn't blow up. Therefore, the crew, though crashed, is now still alive, awaiting rescue. Right. I have to mention about Kirk's death. There's a big thing. A lot of fans don't like the way he died. Um, apparently, it was even worse before they did that. They filmed it initially where Soren just shot him in the back and it was over. So yeah, he was shot in the back by Soren. I read <laughs> it's about terrible. That. Uh, and this one I don't think is that bad. He saves 200 million people on that neighboring planet. He goes out the way Kirk kind of should, you know. So I thought I like yeah. the oh my thing at the end. Um, it's kind of neat. He sees the wonder of it, the afterlife in a split second. You know, it's like, oh, my. And he's dead. Yeah. But I liked it. Did we do it? We make a difference. Oh, yes. We made a difference. Thank you. At least I could do. For the captain of the Enterprise. It was. Um, well, I'm going to say that actually then uh, Kirk had two of my favorite lines of anything I've seen of him in anything we've watched oh, thus yeah? far in this movie. One of them was the oh my moment. Nice. And the other one I forgot to mention earlier, but it was actually really great moment. It's right at the beginning when he's talking to Cameron, the terrible captain. Captain Harriman. Yeah. Who's just t- I said Cameron, whatever. He's just failing. <laughs> and uh and Kirk looks at him and goes, risk is part of the game. You want to sit in that chair? And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's captain right there. But that, that like those those two are my favorite lines I've ever heard him say in anything we've watched. Yeah. And they were both in this film. He feels like an old veteran badass in this film. As in the other ones, he just felt like a geriatric trying to do too much. Yes. Like this one, he's like sitting back more. He's calmer, more collected. More smarmy, but he's, he's, you know, sure of himself. And he but gets he's, one good knows, fight scene with Soren. Right. And he knows he's an old man, though. And they show it better in the action sequences that he's not like he if he was younger. He could have pulled himself up that bridge, but he's oh, yeah. not. And they, they definitely show that on purpose, I think, showing that he can't pull himself up because he's in his 60s or whatever. So or 70s. Is so there like really no one younger and more qualified to go do this <laughs> than Kirk? <laughs> Quick, send, send the old man down. <laughs> the old man wearing a girdle. So the end of the movie is nice and sweet. They're they're going through the wreckage of what's left of the Enterprise. Data finds his cat and gets emotional. Um, I got emotional because I'm becoming such a horrible cat person now that when he finds the cat and is crying over it, I teared up watching Aww. it this time. It was it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, he finds the cat. He tears up. We tear up. Kirk and Riker walk through and do you think there'll be another one? Oh, there's plenty of letters left in the alphabet or whatever the hell. It was, it was some dumb line. I always thought I'd get a shot at this chair one day. Perhaps you still will. Somehow I doubt that this will be the last ship to carry the name Enterprise. Yeah, and it ends there. Uh, and then that's the end of the movie, and they all take off into the sunset, or the nightlight, or whatever. So what are your initial thoughts? I, it was okay. I would say I feel the movie was really imbalanced. Like too much of those Dusu storylines. I feel like I feel like Picard got, as I said, Picard got a movie and two subplots got a whole episode. Right. It just didn't feel jointed. It felt more like a TV show ish. Right. Well, mostly because I don't know. Star Trek is always even when people are abducted, and even they showed this in this movie when people are abducted or away, it's always about like the starship doing what they can to get to them, and therefore that's what engages them in the storyline. Mm-hmm. But once they crashed and there was literally nothing they could do, they were like out for the count. 
Like there was no no way to reciprocate. Like, oh, we've got to try to find Picard. You know. Yeah, and they're just kind of following Picard at that point. It was just it was just strange. It and I don't know. It kind of de-escalated because once they were dead, it was like, all right, well, I guess oh, okay. Well, I guess they're dead. Everything's over. <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Well, how do you compare this film to the other ones we've watched so far? Um, it's better than some of the original ones. Some. I'm going to say it's definitely better than five and six. Okay. And it might be better than three. All right. But you but like one, two, one, and four, two, one, two, and four. four still have it. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's just nostalgia. And this is, one, this is like the first Star Trek movie I ever saw. Um, mm-hmm. It's my absolute favorite. It always has been. And I watching it now reaffirms that for me. Maybe watching First Contact now, because it's been a few years since I've watched First Contact, I'll feel differently. I, I am so excited about First Contact. But I love this movie. I think it was written so well. It feels like the Next Generation series. So that's why I like it a lot. It feels has that same feel because the director of the Next Generation did this movie. Uh, but the dialogue, even in the beginning with the original series cast, felt more natural, more relaxed, more um, nuanced. Uh, there was a lot of talking a lot of slower character scenes which is so, what star trek really needs uh, yeah, like that long scene between data and uh, picard wouldn't happen now no and the scene with him uh picard and troy where he cries about his you know nephew dying it was yeah. that was about seven minutes long maybe that would never happen in a modern day movie um and it was great so yeah i place it above all the rest just because it's nostalgia and also i think it's a solid film fair no i mean nostalgia trumps a lot right but at least I know it's not just because it's a crap movie. It actually is a pretty decent movie. So, yeah, pretty good to the haters out there. Screw you guys. All right. But now we check it off our list of reviews right. of Star Trek <laughs> films and we move into the future. But first, let's see if we have any other trivia here real quick that we didn't catch on our original go through. As many people know, William Shatner's an avid horse rider. Those were his horses and his farm where those sequences took place. So Leonard or William Shatner said the line he had to say, who am I to argue with the captain of the Enterprise was the hardest line he ever had to deliver. So he meant a lot to him. Um, They had to wait till Gene Roddenberry died to make this film because he never wanted to do a team up film with the original cast and the new cast for some reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they had to wait till he died and they could do this movie. (laughs) The original opening the movie had Captain Kirk making an orbital skydive and then Chekhov and Scotty running to meet him and saying he had to go watch the Enterprise B launch it for the launching ceremony. <laughs> Got it. So they wanted to start with Kirk masturbating for two minutes. <laughs> exactly. Got it. it would be the same as him starting climbing a mountain like in that last one. Like, no, we don't need that. Oh, He's too old. Yeah, that was pretty bad, too. Thankfully, they cut that. Originally, Antonia, who's this random new woman we've never heard of before, was going to be Carol Marcus from Star Trek Two, uh, which would oh, be right. great. Uh, but they just couldn't get the rights correct in time. And then they, they just didn't want to do it. So it didn't work out. But I would have liked that a lot more. Uh, the oh my at the end was a spontaneous ad lib by William Shatner. Um, and he explained that was the reason why he wanted to do it. It was like a reaction to seeing eternity. And he says he's truly going where he's never gone before, which was a kind of nice little mentality there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had to spend an extra $5 million of their budget, uh, one sixth of the film's budget, to do the reshoot of the ending, which is crazy. Uh. And the saddest part, if you go back and rewatch this, so I don't know if you're half familiar with Deep Space Nine, the TV series. Steve. Yeah. So Cisco is a very big guy. He's the captain of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, and then there's Miles O'Brien, who's the transporter chief in Next Generation. He's the British act or Irish actor named Cole Meany. They had to use their uniforms because apparently they had already gotten rid of uh, Riker and um, 
and LaForge's uniforms. They want mm-hmm. to use the new kind that are on the TV show. So they took Cisco's uniform, gave it to Riker, and they took um, O'Brien's outfit and gave it to LaForge. And you can see that the <laughs> uniform's way too big for both of them. So if you go back and look, Riker's sleeves are rolled up the entire entire movie. <laughs> and then LaForge's the outfit is just flowing on him in weird places and stuff. It's like, I mean, how they cheap were space they? Tailors. I know. They do have that in Deep Space Nine, too. Garrett. That's right. Anyways, but yes, that's the end of a, a little trivia there I found interesting. Uh, something else I noticed I thought was funny. Uh, th- I know throughout the show, uh, Picard and Crusher kind of have this like, will they, won't they? Kind of, yeah. Kind of thing on and off. Uh, and what I notice is that when he goes into the Nexus, his wife in his like dream bears a, a fairly striking resemblance to Dr. Beverly Crusher. That's true. I didn't think of that. Red hair and all. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. It's like that was his guilty conscience because he was like best friends with her dead husband. That's like the right. story in the show. So he never went on to fully push that relationship too far. But apparently in the books in the future, they they get married. Uh-huh. Um but also in the books, there's non-canonical Star Trek books that William Shatner wrote with a co-writer where, mm-hmm. of course, Shatner Kirk comes back to life because the Borg comes back and uses their nanobites to, or nano whatevers to bring him back to life. And he has like all these other adventures. What the hell? And they're like, that's not canon. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> but they're still out there. You can buy those books. Only in your dream, Kirk. And that's where they also establish in those books that V'ger voyager was actually controlled by the borg um and that the borg are the one who sent v'ger back but that's only in his books which are not canon which is unfortunate because i like that part of the story right but that's my end of my star trek ranting all right well good well i thought that was a good review (laughs) yeah and uh next time whenever even if it's not next episode next thing up is muppet treasure island which i'm excited about with tim curry's reviews oh i'm stoked some of my favorite music in all of muppets in that film Oh, good. I won't disparage it too much then. Yeah, not too much. I, I do think you're if if what you're missing from uh, Christmas Carol is true, you're going to like Treasure Island. Good. All right. So that moves on to a game uh, that I love playing. Stretch our minds a little bit in a game that anyone can play at home. Would you rather? Ooh. Where I'm going to ask Jarman some hypotheticals, and he's got to tell me whether he would rather, huh? or rather, eh. and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Such enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, would you always rather it feel like your feet have wet socks on them, mm-hmm. or your hands always feel kind of sticky, like you just had candy? Ooh, I go for the wet socks. Okay, the sticky candy would just destroy you. Right, because I hate both those feelings, but sticky candy on your hands prohibits you from doing a lot more things. That's true. You can always hide your feet, and they would just deal with the horrible feeling of having wet socks. <laughs> true. That's true. How about you? Um, I I think I go with socks too. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I'd probably just cut my feet off. <laughs> As an option, <laughs> just get prosthetics. That's right. I could just get a wheel. <laughs> a wheel. <laughs> okay. Would Would you rather have as a pet? Four tiny gorillas. And Anna made me define this when I asked her. So four eight inch tall gorillas. All right. Or one giant squirrel. Oh, four tiny gorillas. A squirrel the size of like a medium to large dog. That sounds kind of terrifying, actually. I think I'd rather have adorable four little 
miniature gorillas. <laughs> See, Anna said squirrel, but I think gorillas too. That'd be fun as shit. <laughs> and squirrels would just be gross if they're bigger. No, mind you, she brought up the fact that like four little gorillas would get into everything. All of your stuff would be adorable. (laughs) There would be nothing safe in your apartment or home from four tiny gorillas. You'd have to get like a plexiglass, like bulletproof glass aquarium to put them in or something. (laughs) Yeah, like you'd have to dedicate a whole room of your house just to be their territory. (laughs) Because they'll be strong as hell and throwing their poop everywhere with their opposable thumbs. (laughs) Yeah, I would also go with four tiny gorillas. (laughs) I enjoyed that one. Okay. So th- this is a big one. This one I, I, I wrote especially for you. Oh, good. So for the rest of your life, you can only enjoy Star Trek in one of the following two ways. And I mean everything that is out and everything that is to come that doesn't exist yet. Star Trek forever for you. Okay. Uh, you can only see the visual with no sound and no subtitles, or you can only listen to the audio radio style. Mm. for all Star Trek that has been or ever will be for the rest of your life. So no subtitles, huh? No subtitles. You would have to watch visuals only. Um, I think it's hard because actually while I'm editing audio, either the podcast or my audiobooks, I always have Star Trek up on mute with no subtitles playing on the other screen because that way it doesn't distract me from the audio I'm listening to. But since I'm so into podcasts now and audio and and voiceover, I think I'd get more out of the future and just like the new stuff if I could hear what's going on. So I go with only hearing it. I would think so, too. So you actually know what's going on. Because here's the thing. I was thinking about things I have watched. Yeah. And thinking like, yeah, the visuals would be fine because I know most of the lines. I know most of the plot points. But for anything that would be to come. Exactly. I would have to have some sort of audio or else there's too much techno jargon and too much subtlety for me to understand what's happening. Yep. And you get a lot of uh, acting through the audio anyway. So you still yeah. get a lot of the emotion and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's right, interesting well, question. That's so, fun. One. Yeah. So that's been, would you rather nice short and sweet. And that takes us into some trailer reviews here at a play on nerds. We have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it. Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. So the first we have up here, I could have sworn we talked about in some fashion before, but I looked back in our episodes. I don't see it. So uh, uh, Tomb Raider. I, th- I think it was I think it was up at some point. I think we had considered it and then we we're like, eh, it's not coming out for a long time. We don't have to review it yet. Or we just mentioned it in passing or something on the show, maybe. But Or maybe on like um, the Comic-Con review, we mentioned yeah. it quickly. Who knows? But they have a new trailer anyway, so we still could have done it because there's a second trailer just came out yeah. for Tomb Raider. Uh, Tomb with, Raider. Uh, Alicia Vikander, who is yeah, awesome her. in Ex Machina and who has uh, won Academy Award for that other movie I watched her in. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh, I love that one. 
Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but based off the video game, which was also made into an Angelina Jolie two movies, I think. Yeah, two uh, movies. Where they're finally now not sexualizing her as much. But making it, her it's, just, it's just female Indiana Jones. Right, well, that's what the game kind of was to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it was. It was a little bit more action-based, I'd say. I'd say. Right, with guns but, and everything. But Indiana Jones. I thought I saw that again. I think I'm going mad. Laura, your father's gone. At some point, we have to face up to who we are. Who we're meant to be. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. What are you doing here, Laura? Seven years I've been on this island. Your father, he put me here. Now I see the likeness, intelligence, the recklessness. What do you know about my father? Laura, there was more to my life than boardrooms and business deals. There's an organization called Trinity. It's looking to start a global genocide. Your dad, Junior, had a bigger holiday. He had a knack for the unexpected. You must stop them, Laura. Promise me. finger that's pulling this trigger you messed with the wrong family and this one she's got a bow which is apparently something from one of the more recent installments of the game right and she looks more like the recent installment of the game which also desexualized her and made it more action-packed and um more like uncharted which is right. know, a big thing a big game right now too but yeah she's a, a tomb raider she's following the path of her father trying to discover what happened to him finding a lost tomb jumping off of things almost consistently in this trail. I feel like there were <laughs> Every four times second. where she just sprinted and jumped off something. Also, this follows the exact plot line that happened a lot to Indiana Jones, I feel like, where a bad guy who he originally thought was a good guy is forcing him at gunpoint to solve tomb riddles for him to get treasure. Right. Uh, which is what this guy appears to be doing. This one, he has a gun to her saying, open the tomb. And she's forced to solve the puzzles for him as he walks behind her and doesn't get killed by the traps. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'll give this one, a, a give it a buck. Nice. If it shows up on, on iTunes or in a red box, maybe I'll pick it up, but I don't think I'm going to go see this in theaters. I've never had any attachment to the games, nor have I really ever played them. Right. So it's hard for me to imagine spending money on this, even for nostalgia's sake. It's weird. I never played the games because they're always out for PlayStation and I never had that system. Yeah, me um, neither. And now I think the new one is out for everything, but I just don't have the money or time to play those kind of games yeah. much anymore. Uh, but I love Indiana Jones and this feels like an Indiana Jones slash diehard thing um, <laughs> playing that survivor theme song. I'm a survivor. Yeah, she's like, good. she's getting the shit beaten out of her all, throughout the whole trailer. Um, great actors. I'm thinking it might possibly be the first video game adaptation movie that has good reviews by critics. Um, possibly. So I'm saying shut up and take my money. Cause I like these kind of movies and this kind of story. 
and video games. Because Uncharted is awesome, the game series. And yeah, they're making yeah, that, they're making that into a movie. Very highly of it. But uh, I think this will hurt Uncharted because it's going to be so similar to Uncharted that Uncharted won't do so well, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But, eh. but yeah, should I take my money for this one? All right, cool. Our next movie is uh, one that I think I mentioned before, but I'm super excited before. Pacific Rim 2. The first real trailer, non-teaser trailer, came out. Uh, and, Uprising. And I could not be more excited for this film. Jake, your father always said he wanted you to be a pilot. He said a lot of things. I'm not a hero like he was. The kaiju, they're gonna come back. I'm not gonna be stuck waiting for someone else to come save my ass. Cadets, you better gear up. This is the way the world ends. How'd they get into our world? Someone let them in. Someone from our world. Who is that? Definitely not one of ours. Let's do this. This is your chance to make things right. We're gonna need more pilots. We have them. There are pilots we remember as legends, but they didn't start out that way. They started out like us. This is our time to make a difference. Do you understand? Jaeger pilots, do you understand? One way to find out. That's what I'm talking about. Gonna be a long day. What do we do? I am so excited. It just looks like they're taking what people liked about the first one and just amplifying it and cutting out the rest of the crap. So you're excited about this film. Yeah. Like they're taking the two guys who are like the kind of runaway hits from the last movie and putting them back. So that's great. What uh, Charlie new, day and the British guy. Yeah. Um, whole new cast of young folk. John Boyega getting everyone excited. Great surrounding cast. A Clint Eastwood son. Double or like triple the amount of giant fighting robots. Huge monsters, a few at a time. New weapon. Like, I, I just feel like they, they're doing a smart job of just targeting what they did last time and doing it well. Hmm. Um, I wrote that uh, I just don't <laughs> care as much about giant robots and kaiju as everyone else does, apparently. <laughs> no, you don't. That's fine. I don't know why, but like, I love dumb action movies. But I don't really care about Transformers. I don't care about Pacific Rim. I, I watched the first one in a dollar theater and I was like, this is just tons of uh, overly action sequences, tons of CGI where I'm like, watching a cartoon at this point. Um, yeah, that's the best. Yeah, I love it. I put don't waste a match for me. That's that's, wow. Is that like <laughs> the first time you've ever done that? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that just happened. Don't waste I don't a know match. if we've ever both been at. I don't know if we've ever been at the opposite ends of the spectrum on something like that. I don't think so. Not in this direction. <laughs> no, like I don't think that that we have either at any point been at the complete polar opposites on something. I might have had to show up and take my money for something that you didn't want to waste a match for, but never the Man, other way around. Maybe. Man, well, that's crazy. 
<laughs> well, well, good. I'll watch it twice for both of us. Oh, good. You'll pay for it. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> it just seems like I'm. I usually would watch any movie, but I'm. The older I get, the less time I'm realizing I'm having. And I'm like, I am just, I'm not going to be that amused by. You want to be more selective. Giant robots and meaningless CGI scenes. So I'm like, no. Oh, I'm so excited to be just whisked away from a loud, crying, angry, talking baby for a few <laughs> hours to watch monsters fight robots. There's nothing that sounds better to me. That makes sense. And I'll be watching a, a ghost movie while you watch this. Uh, that just makes me sad. <laughs> um Wow, so very different reviews. I love that. And then that takes us into some radical recommends. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. So I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, All right. For radical recommends, I have Black Mirror, which is a very popular show. I don't need to recommend it to you, but... I do recognize that not every episode is for everyone. And you need to realize that if you've seen one episode, especially if you've seen the first episode, it turns everyone off to the show who has like kind of weak sensibilities, not weak sensibilities, but like who's not used to seeing graphic or um, strong we, subject matter. We, we, we just um, to, to chime in on this. We just had the same issue. Um, Anna's mom came and stayed with us while Anna was recovering and we were struggling to find shows that we could watch with her. And Black Mirror came up a few times, and each time we were like, yeah, we could watch that episode. And we had thought through the episode, and then we were like, oh, but there's that part where that happens. Right. Uh, we can't do that episode either. And we just kind of gave up. Right. If you're open to anything and not really going to be um, you know, triggered or um, upset by things very easily, then Black Mirror is fine for you. But there are some episodes that are pretty much good for anybody to watch, but you don't yeah. know which ones are going to be because they're all different stories. They're not, they're not uh, related to each other necessarily They're They could be in the same universe. They've hinted at that, but it's all different twilight zone episodes. There are some that they've confirmed are kind of are in the same universe in some form or another. Right. But, but for this season, season four, the two best that I've heard the most about and that I've seen both of them. I've seen only a couple other episodes, but these two are fantastic. Almost anybody can watch them. Uh, mm -hmm. is USS Callister, which is the first episode. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a different version of Star Trek and things go really weird and really in a weird direction you won't expect. Lots of great actors in it. Um, and then Hang the DJ, which is another one that is the most one of the most watchable ones I've seen. Um, it's got a few sexual scenes in it, but there's no like dark or graphic nudity or violence or, you know, horror aspects. It's just really interesting concept. It's really cool and fun. So that's a okay. good one to watch. So USS Callister, Hang the DJ. It's on Netflix. Check it out. At least those two episodes. If you like it, keep watching more. But uh, USS Callister is, for a Star Trek fan, a must watch. It's wonderful. Well, cool. Uh, mine is something that we just discovered on uh, Amazon Prime Video, which just came to the Apple TV. Um, so we're just sort of getting into a lot of their content. Oh, nice. They've got access to funny or die stuff on there through some sort of con uh, contract. And I found uh, a nostalgia piece that I've watched through, uh, and it's called Zach Morris's Trash. Zach Morris is trash. <laughs> and, and, oh, I love uh, those. I've seen it, a few of them on Facebook. Three or four minutes each. They're quick. They're fun. Wonderful. If you ever watch Saved by the Bell, they're great. But it basically just highlights that if you really slice up what Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell does, he's just a dick. He lies to his friends. He lies to adults. He takes advantage of his friends he constructs these crazy lies when like there's no need for it he's a huge he manipulates he pressures girls 
He's racist. He's he's insensitive to people with disability. Like he is a piece (laughs) of shit. And this, and this episode takes like off, you know, a 20 minute episode and just cuts it and goes like, look at all the messed up things he did. And it's just over and over and over and over. I I, I thought it was like a one-time thing, but then I realized there was tons of them. I'm like, oh my God, he really is awful. He is terrible. (laughs) Um, But to take something that I had such nostalgia for and like just turn it on me was was just such a great, pleasant surprise. So either through Amazon Prime or probably through uh, Funny or Die, uh, check out Zach Morris's Trash. Highly recommend it. Zach Morris's Trash. Thank you for joining us once again, all of our listeners. As always, we will keep being your nerdy co-hosts if you keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?